we're back. It's uh, me, Matt, and Amber with a little uh, post-Thanksgiving roundup. Yeah. Did you guys have a uh, a good uh, holiday meal? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, because I had tacos and not bullshit turkey. Okay. Yep. And I we're went back on to this. Chinatown and enjoyed a perfectly cooked cake, Peking duck with hoisin sauce and scallion pancakes. Yeah. It was better than any turkey I have ever had in my life by fucking Duck is the best bird. Miles. Duck is the best bird. Exactly. It was fun. It was me and some friends. It was low-key and enjoyable. Y'all are like the fucking Constitution humpers. Y'all are like the people from In Search of Liberty who fetishize the Constitution because it's old. That's basically the yeah. fucking reasoning. It's just like people, well, why do you eat this shitty bird that you don't have any other time of the year? And they go, well, it's tradition. It's the same mindset. Yeah. Well, uh, I adhere to tradition, even bad ones, because, you know, if we don't have that, then what do we have? Nothing. Okay. You have a good we're, meal. We're left stark naked <laughs> at the end of the day. You, uh, had, you, had the, uh, you had the normie basic. I had the turkey. normie Thanksgiving, and I, I think it's a, a very solid, delicious meal. I'm 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 in favor of it, you know, once a year. That's yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, but if I really like something, I get a craving for it on a weekly or semi-weekly basis. Because you're a, you're a, you're a glutton. <laughs> because you have no restraint at all. You're like a Roman emperor. Well, yes. Break me, my hero. Bring me another hero. Yes. I was like a peeking duck in bed. I just just cover me in sneaky sauce. <laughs> Roll me around in it. Bring me my goblet of poison, poison sauce. I just like to dip. My hands in it. Suck on them. Oh, a the French. <laughs> Champagne has long been known for its excellence. It's literally only a matter of time before you accidentally recreate that commercial outtake. It's going to happen, man. I but can't it's not going to even be with booze. No. It's, it's going to be with like, it's going to be with like barbecue or something. Yeah, it's just going to be a big old plate of biscuits and gravy. Oh, the gravy. The gravy. Um... So, uh, it's now post-Thanksgiving. Uh, we are thankful for you. We are thankful for us, most of all. But I just wanted to follow up here uh, with a few thanks, uh, post-Thanksgiving news items and a reading series that I think you guys will enjoy. I hope so. Can't wait. Uh, the first one... We're, we're fiending for some more content. So. Uh, the, the first one is something I, I just saw from a... Uh, this is from a New York Times. Another Yet another big profile of some random white nationalist in the middle of nowhere in this some country dickhead from ohio <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely needs to be fucking profile this f- really you found nazi themes in the film pacific rim that's fascinating oh, you're still in my <laughs> so you read the article man. i read that part yes we'll get back uh, to it it's still funny. uh no it's just it's just in the profile of this guy uh he started out as a a vaguely leftist rock musician to an ardent ardent libertarian to a now full fascist activist and it said it was uh, largely fueled by the kinds of frustrations that would not seem exotic to most American conservatives. He believes the federal government is too big, the news media is biased, and the affirmative action programs for minorities are fundamentally unfair. Holy mackerel. Ask him how he moved so far right, and he declares that public discourse has become so toxic that there's no way to effectively lobby for the interests that involve white people. He also name drops Murray Rothbard and Hans Hermann Hoppe. Hope or Hop? I don't know. We haven't yet figured that out, but uh, Hans Hermann Hop, 
architects of anarcho-capitalism with its idea that free markets serve as better social what? regulators than the no. state. So are, I, I got to say, I'm, there's no way he actually read Murray no, Rothbard. No, no. He's uh, like Wikipedia articles. But are you telling me that that guy went from libertarian to Nazi? It seems that odd. blows my mind. It it's seems odd because, you know, libertarians if, are, uh, you know, against uh, identity politics and, and racism. State and state oppression and the sort yeah. of massive megastate that N- Nazism would confer. It's almost as though the libertarian notion of property being secured eternally comes in conflict with growing crises in the economy and in the environment and they make the realization that for these distributions of resources to maintain as as insanely skewed as they are now you're going to have to lose about five or six billion people and they want to be able to pick out ahead of time which ones are going to be purged basically well uh it may not surprise you to find that it's a Hop, skip, and a jump from uh, Murray Rothbard and Hans Hermann Hope to full uh, neo-Nazism. However, he also refers to the 2013 science fiction movie Pacific Rim, <laughs> in which society is attacked by massive monsters that emerge from beneath the Pacific Ocean. Great, I guess it's sort of an immigration parable of- for him. The Pacific but, wait, so, so the kaiju are Mexicans, or just like a third world immigration who are like you know coming tearing through your 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 city of Shanghai? Oh, right, because there's the this gateway between yeah, like the two dimensions. Mm-hmm. I have not seen this movie out. as I was busy actually reading Murray Rothbard. But <laughs> you, you, if you see Pacific Rim, you're fine. You don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. No, but there's a gateway between this world and the other. These aliens who want to conquer. Earth are sending through these genetically created mega monsters. To the kill aliens everybody. are Jews in, the, in this. Yeah. Yes, the aliens are well, reptilians slash Rothschild Soros uh, skirm- scheming merchants, and they sent out this monster, this third world mud creature that they created to destroy our civilization. Actually, now he's convinced me. He's a golem. He's Israel. Yeah, basically. I've never seen this. I'm just jumping in. Yeah. Oh my god, this is this guy is actually a genius. And then like and based stickman is one of the 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 Jaegers, the robots yes. that, that fight Base the, the, is, the is Charlie Human. Yeah, <laughs> Charlie Human, yeah. Um the next uh quick news item I have here uh comes courtesy of this is the first uh big story that Benny Johnson has broke at his new job at the Daily Caller. Uh, uh, somebody has pointed this out, but it blew my mind that they called him a fraud. I think. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in oh, they used to they used to the, roast him hard no, the day he got fired. Oh, really? He said IRJ loses one fraud, and then they fucking hired him the next day. That's good. Uh, the, yeah, the, and he's such a piggy. He will totally eat up the abuse oh, for, for a byline. He's a oh. he's a shame pig. Absolutely. But uh, this the story that he is pig Benny. <laughs> the story that Benny brings us uh, at his new job is uh, leaked video alleges to show Malia Obama blowing smoke <gasps> rings. Fuck. I so, love this stuff. So he's breaking the story that Malia it's Obama is happened, cool. Right? It's happened before. Yeah. She's, but she's actually kind of, she's on one, basically. She's, she's out of pocket. She's Choomgang. She's, Choom- millennial, yeah. she's millennial Choomgang. Yeah, it's like, I learned it from watching you, Dad. You and the Choomgang. Yeah, she's chooming it. But to uh, to summarize here, and she got she got taken a picture. It's basically she hangs out with fucking narcs because she's been recorded three or four times. I one time doing beer pong, and then somebody got like a low key iPhone video of that beer pong. Mm-hmm. Ooh, dastardly. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, reading here from Benny, it says. Uh, 
According to reports, Malia has taken to the campus in recent months, talking about she's going to Harvard now, and the 19-year-old has used the time to settle into campus after a gap year filled with interesting news stories. Malia was filmed in a series of interesting circumstances at the music festival Lollapalooza in April. Her 2016 internship for the now infamous sexual predator Harvey Weinstein's company also made headlines in the midst of the movie mogul's downfall. In recent days, TMZ has reported on Malia... That's alleged- supposed to be damning. Yeah. Like, she was probably raping people. Today. <laughs> uh, in recent days, TMZ has reported on Malia allegedly smoking and making out with a co-ed at the Harvard-Yale football game. Now, another news and culture site... A co-ed, you say? <laughs> then they all saw how many of them could fit into a phone book. Eating- <laughs> they did the Charleston on a light post. <laughs> she swallowed a goldfish as well as part of a, a humorous prank. Um... So uh, another news and culture site alleges to have video of Malia Obama blowing smoke rings in an undisclosed bathroom location. The Barstool Sports posted this now-deleted video on Instagram Thursday. The video can be viewed in full on YouTube. So... That was How uh, do you not this feel is, like a gross fucking pervert stalking a 19-year-old? And especially since... She's that, not even doing anything really cool, let's all, be nothing honest. Nothing cool or interesting at all. This just in. 19-year-old... I mean, if it, they don't even know what she's smoking. If it's cigarettes, that's not even like She's illegal. probably vaping. She's, she's old Obama enough. and she's boring. Yeah, she's, old, she's basic. She's old, she's old enough that if she was smoking, it wouldn't even be a crime. So what the <laughs> fuck is this even a, the point of this? <sighs> I mean, uh, and then they're also putting her life in danger. I miss the Bush sisters. Those oh, yeah. bitches tore it up. <laughs> they would, yeah, DUIs and shit, that yeah. rule. But this is dangerous because they her dad is going to see this and he's going to punish her because smoking is haram. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just maybe I, it was shisha. I, I had to <laughs> I had to look at uh, the comments here, and just the first four are already so good. Uh, courtesy of Storm Chaser, it just says. Her foster dad, Barry, used to smoke dope and play video games all day in the White House while Hillary was busy selling classified information. <laughs> Barry, smoking dope, play, play gaming all day in the White House. And he's it, a foster dad? He's foster dad. Well, yeah, that's okay, no, 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 they, they get into it. The next comment, courtesy Michelle's of Cankles uh, in a Landslide. Cankles? Cankles in a Landslide. Kankles. And uh, it's referring to Hillary Clinton, of course. Yeah. She says... You can take Obvious. the she, can ta- she says you can take the girl out of the ghetto, but you can't. Well, you know the rest. Apple doesn't far from the. Well, you know the rest. It's like Malia yeah, never lived the in the ghetto yeah. even once. And like she, she grew up in Hyde Park. She went to, to Sidwell yeah. Friends. She went to Sidwell Friends. She's about as far from the ghetto as she can get. It's absurd. Uh, so then, next comment, Harold Cat says Barry and the Mooch aren't her parents. Mooch, it's yes, a simple I love the Mooch. Bring him back. Mooshell. Oh, I love it. She says it's a simple matter of XY plus XY equals zero. And then the next comment <laughs> Why S- do they call her She's the a man? like we already have a Mooch. No, she originally no, this is, Michelle was the Mooch this before is an old Scaramucci thing? showed up. This is an old This is an old, old, old thing. This yeah. is old bungler era. This is oh, my okay. shit. Right here. Oh, wow. Fucking, I never the even heard that one right now. Oh, the glory days of, of trolling teacots about the mooch and a bungler. Innocent fucking times. My favorite one was I, I do remember this. Someone said Obombo. Obombo? And, and of it's course, like, that's. The best ever. Barf sack O'Crumbo. <laughs> God, it's the best thing. They're ever. just like spinning out into into like further and further yep. from the source material. Oh, God. The day I saw Barf, Barf Sack O'Crumbo, it was fireworks. It was amazing. 
And you know, it's the other thing that's annoying about these motherfuckers is because of the internal mindless double standard of the way they process information and judge morality. They would get furious if somebody posted pictures of like Baron butt chugging Mountain Dew Code Red during a gaming session or something. Protect Baron at all costs. Yeah, exactly. protect Baron. They have, they have Baron protection legions. They wouldn't be very happy if they did that. One of the biker gangs that has sworn yes. uh, sworn fealty to to Baron will will, will chop your head off, Matt. Uh, just last comment here from S but one, uh, replying just says two partners who both have a penis can't biologically produce offspring. <laughs> <laughs> Amber, were you aware that like uh, a quite uh, that two people this... with a penis can't make a baby? Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> no, but uh, on, on the on the right uh, during the Obama era, there was, became a a very very popular theory that uh, Michelle Obama is, is a man. Yeah, wait, but Matt was telling me this but then they also said that he was trans so then they could uh, have a biological baby uh my wife is a man and i am uh, a woman <laughs> yeah yeah they thought that that's true but he would have had to get pregnant and because you would have seen the stomach and you, they never there was no evidence of him carrying a baby then they they know it didn't happen there are no pictures of pregnant uh brock well he's a lean guy maybe he hit it well <laughs> Maybe we should introduce them to this concept. They yeah. might they might blow their minds, dudes. We've been going out this all wrong. So, uh, thank you, Daily Caller, for uh, doing the Lord's for that work. piece, doing the yep. Lord's work, uh, breaking a story that uh, Just following around a team, <laughs> like that a nineteen year old like college a student is normal is sm- guy is Just following around a team. Yep. I do love the idea that Obama was smoking weed and playing video games. Uh, let me be clear. I love to uh, chew. <laughs> I chew all day, and uh, I chew all night. During the Benghazi attacks, I was in a chum kush haze. Had no idea what was going on and couldn't uh, protect our soldiers. Other reason is I'm Muslim as well. And uh, Allah Akbar, I wanted them to die. <laughs> the next news item is uh, sort of, I think, one worth taking a, a deep dive in. I, I saw this yesterday and was dumbfounded by it. This was the giant profile of Ben Shapiro in the New York yes, Times. Finally. By Sabrina Tavernes. What if, what if they did it, though? And they just lower the font point by like two points to make it a little bit tinier than every other thing in the New York the Times. Little, the littlest gladiator. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the headline here is uh, Ben Shapiro, a provocative gladiator, wins ba- oh like battles to win young conservatives. Fuck off. So uh, I'm just going to dive in here. It uh, begins uh, Dateline, Salt Lake City. It says, Benjamin Shapiro strode down the aisle of a packed auditorium at the University of Utah like a prize fighter walking toward a ring. <laughs> he came out to bring the pain by Method Man and was flanked by several members of the Nation of Islam. Oh, and, like uh, a prize fighter, yeah, though? Yeah, a prize fighter. Like he was pigeon weight. <laughs> uh, it was actually, no, it was cockfighting. He was going to step into the <laughs> ring to fight a rooster. Yeah. Um, so he goes, he was dressed in a dark suit jacket and a gray shirt and was followed closely by a bodyguard. So this guy has protection when oh, he goes to college Jesus. campuses. Yeah, that is the most Nobody even bitch thing I've ever yeah. heard. There have been no Ben Shapiro riots, right? No. Not no. The Milo ones. No. Nobody he, like, gives a shit about you, Benjamin. It's like he has wakes up and call, he has he has a, a tier one operator to protect him <laughs> from like a woman with purple hair and a nose ring calling yelling at him that, that he's a homophobe yep, or something. That's it. Yeah. Um, so he goes. Uh, the mostly male audience sprung to its feet, cheering Shocker. him with thunderous applause. After his speech, a searing critique of mainstream liberalism. Whoa! A young man walked up to the microphone. I have watched so many of your videos. I think my girlfriend hates you, he said. 
You don't need to think, but <laughs> you don't need to think. She's about a woman. That. That's, she hates uh, him. It's actually but once again, uh, yeah, I've watched so many of your videos. This is the uh, the, the now the. The self-taught by YouTube pedants generation really oh, uh, coming to the These fore here. make me dread the future more than almost anything other than global warming is the idea of these fucking kids just you weaned on these idiot fucking logic YouTube videos coming of age. So uh, he's described here, Mr. Shapiro, conservative thinker, entertainer, <laughs> trash talker, and destroyer of weak arguments. This, is, this isn't a quote here. This is Sabrina, the actual person writing this oh article. Destroyer of weak arguments. Has been, Zipper of tea. <laughs> has been called the voice of the conservative millennial movement. He, how big is this movement, by the way? Because he got sick of like the anti-Semitism at his job, and he was like completely fine with it for an extremely long time. He was there when they had the black crime vertical. Yeah, yeah, uh, but he just he got so sick of being dunked on, and then he acted like he was making a principled stand. Well, what this is is, and somebody pointed this out. The reason this fucking thing exists, this article, is because the New York Times is desperate to uh, stabilize the anti-Trump conservative movement. Absolutely. They are, they they are, are totally terrified in without being, institutions. They want the old exactly. institutions rebuilt, yes. rehabilitated. Yes. Because Trump is such a radical threat to the norms that they value that if the Republican Party and him are indistinguishable, then there isn't two parties anymore. Then there isn't the search for consensus in the middle anymore because one of the parties is devoted to destroying your norms. And so you have to... Build up the idea that there is an, a, a continuing anti-Trump conservatism, which there absolutely is in a half a dozen zip codes in the northeast of the United States and literally nowhere else. Well, uh, writes says right here, he represents the tastes of an emerging political class. <laughs> that they, Like I said, the class of people, the YouTube logic pedants. That's the emerging but political class But the thing class is, they like, Hitler, they like Trump too. That's the thing. They might like some of his shit, but I guarantee you most of them aren't on board with his Trump skepticism. Because the other YouTube guys they watch are like Molyneux and fucking Mr. Dapperton. And they're all gung-ho for Trump. So it says here, uh, if Rush Limbaugh is, is someone your what? dad listens to on his wait, car wait, radio. What did you say? If Rush Limbaugh okay. is someone your dad listens to on his car radio, Mr. Shapiro, age 33... Monsieur Shapiro. Jesus Christ, he's younger than I am. Uh, a graduate of Harvard Law School is the cool kids philosopher. Again, this is not a quote. This is not like she's not reading from his press materials. She is describing him as the cool kids philosopher. Okay, he's not a philosopher, no. one. And he has cool, never been cool. His fan, he has never been cool. There's not a single person who looks up to Ben Shapiro nope, who, who in cool. any Remotely. stretch of the imagination would no, even no. even think to call themselves cool. It would, yes. They, that, they, that even would they don't have that they, delusion. They would not have that protection. They fetishize a nerd identity. Uh, we've like, talked oh, he's very smart and I'm cool smart stuff. for liking him. We talked about, all the other normie chads are too stupid to get we, it. We talked about this with Adam when we were talking about like Stephen Miller and like this similar type. Yeah, like puny human guys but like also 
kids who never had any friends their own age because they were such obnoxious bitches and only like socialized with adults they sucked up to. Yes. And thought that made them smarter than their peers yep. just because they were such craven, uh, nasty little shits. Yep. And Ben, Sh- ben Shapiro was... is exactly that person. I kind of was that way. I'll admit it a little bit. I would sort of like to get rapports going with my teachers because, yeah, it made me feel smarter than everybody. Mm-hmm. And also because they didn't want to hang out with me. But thankfully, <laughs> at some point, I never, I never took the. I was there on the path, and I took the one less traveled by, thankfully. You decided you might actually need to develop a personality and a sense of humor and interact with your peers. I honestly think that having a sense of humor uh, really did help me kind of not get that level because the self, the sort of, the the absurdity of it, I would have been too conscious of. I would have been too conscious of how stupid and ridiculous and childish a point of view it was. And like having a sense of humor made me like not take myself seriously enough to do that, I guess. Thank goodness. Returning now to the... uh uh, the Ben Shapiro uh, publicity manual. Uh, it says here, uh, dissecting arguments with a lawyer's skill and references to Aristotle. He exists in places that young people inhabit. Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. His podcast, <laughs> Ben Shapiro Show, is downloaded 10 million times every month. I'd, I'd like to fact check that. Yeah, yeah. I, 10 million well, times a month? There, none of these things have citations. There is no way Ben Shapiro has 10 million fucking podcasts no, 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 no. Like, I think I, if you saying, go to his SoundCloud well, they're right already now. doing a thing where it's times a month, and that means how many episodes are there a month, so that 10, time, 10 million has to be divided by the number of episodes to even come close to an estimate of actual listeners. He just has, like, 30 podcasts a month. Like he, and yeah, then, like, if he did. Yeah. Like, he gets good listens. Like, on his SoundCloud, he gets about... 230, 250,000 listens per episode. So yeah. that, like, that's so a lot, but that's not 10, has, he he have 10 has, million listeners. No, he has maybe half a million, I'd say. Uh, that seems like a, a strong estimate. It would be about half yeah. a million listeners. So that's about. So, uh, that's so, still, the thing that's is, still is that, a lot of herbs. Well, it's a lot of herbs, but you got thing people need to remember is that there are about a million politically engaged normal people in America. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that there, those numbers it's always out of a percentage of actual Americans who are tuned into politics to the point that they wouldn't want to listen to a podcast about it. And that's like a million people on every part of the spectrum from Nazis to tankies. All that's a very, very small fragment of the population. Everybody else just is checked out or has very vague political views and doesn't, but doesn't make it integrated into their day-to-day life. It says here, 70% of his audience is under the age of 40. Ben is the source of a lot of philosophy for young conservatives. Yeah. Again, there's that word philosophy again. I don't think they really understand. Well, Do they understand think, what the word philosophy means? Like under 40 also includes under 18. <laughs> yeah. No, these are the bowtie bow, bow nerds, the fucking roller backpack shitheads who all think that they can get like a fucking uh, radio deal or a book deal by being a precocious little conservative. Yeah. So... Um, this is what uh, Cassie Dillon, who's a senior at Mount Holyoke College in Massachusetts, who has written for Mr. Shapiro's website, The Daily Wire, describes him. And uh, she says, I think it would be really hard to find a young conservative who doesn't know who Ben Shapiro is. Mr. Shapiro is trying to define conservatism. At yeah, time, half of them think he's a fucking cuck, but they know <laughs> he is. Mr. Shapiro is trying to define conservatism at a time when its meaning is up for grabs, and the Republican Party and the traditional conservative media outlets like Fox are built for older audiences. That's putting it mildly. <laughs> <laughs> he does not like President Trump, and he disagrees with his old boss at Breitbart News, Stephen Bannon, that Trumpism is the future of the Republican Party. He likes to point out that Mr. Trump won fewer votes 
in Wisconsin than Mitt Romney in 2012 and fewer votes in Michigan than George W. Bush in 2004. Most Republicans voted for Mr. Trump not because they loved him, he argues, but because they hated Hillary Clinton. But he is not a moderate. His views no, they love Daddy Trump. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do him. not fool yourself. Are they you fucking kidding love me? They him. love him more than they've ever loved a politician. They love him more than even at the height of the Gulf War frenzy, they love George W. Bush. And they always will. But he is not a moderate. His views are extremely conservative. Tra- and summarizing his views uh, are... Transgenderism is a mental illness, as per the Encyclopedia of Mental Disorders before 2013. Yes, blacks have been historically discriminated against. No, institutions are not broadly discriminating against them today. The rich pay too much tax. Abortion should be illegal. Social Security ought to be privatized and Obamacare repealed. These are not, though, I mean, what he's talking about, those are like policy positions. Those are not like some kind of fundamental, ideological, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's not like, here's my conservative base. I believe that, you know, family should be the primary political unit or, you know, any of those things that supposedly make someone a philosopher. I think, in fairness to Mr. Shapiro, except for Cassie Dillon, who used it, I think this is the author of this piece's confusion. Yeah, this is just a vapid person, like every idiot who writes about politics and has no understanding of it, of even a basic level of how it fucking works. uh, They think policy positions equals philosophy. That's how... that's how shallow their understanding of politics because is. it's nothing but takes that's all they that's all they encounter exactly is takes on the policies of the day so that's the only way they can relate to political philosophy is by creating a mosaic of them uh Continuing, it says uh, here, uh, liberals loathe Mr. Shapiro. They say he is a pugilist who has built his brand on the nation's addiction to outrage. He is part of an industry that whips up conservatives against the left, they say, and the fact that his audience is mostly young will deepen the divide for years to come. This is hilarious. There's like, that it, cockfighting again. Yeah. He's a pugilist. <laughs> I love that, that his his opponents think he's a pugilist. He, oh, that Ben Shapiro, he's just too tough. Well, he's I, too much of a fighter. I'm so annoyed. I don't think anyone hates Ben Shapiro the way they hate, like... Like I don't think he draws a lot of ire. He's just he's just very easy to dunk on because yeah. he's like a silly little person. He's a silly little elf man. Yeah, and it's easy to dunk on him. Well, Nobody engages with him or is 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 outraged by his his ability to destroy all <laughs> political views. I mean, they logic. literally threw him on Breitbart so that they could say that they weren't anti semites anymore. I mean, this is the guy who like he's his slam dunk case against the Bernie Sanders argument for. Healthcare as a right is uh, I don't have a right to go to a fancy furniture store and pick out anything I want and not Take pay for that. that. I'm going to put a I'm going to put a pin in that right now because it gives an example later of the laser-like precision with which he di- dis- dissects arguments with his and and the you know the the careful jabs, uppercuts, and combos that he does to <laughs> yeah. annihilate his enemies. I just I just hold that, keep that thought in mind. Yeah. I, what I want to say about this passage here about how she's summarizing how liberals dislike him because he whips up outrage against the left and that his audience is young and will deepen the divide. I think this is an unknowing but telling description of liberals who are just mad at conservatives for like, they're whipping up people against us and they're effectively <laughs> mobilizing opposition to our policies. Yeah, exactly. It's not fair. And rather than just, uh, you know, you know, coming back straight at them, right. you know, or whipping up people against fucking conservatives. We agreed right. not to actually fight. Yeah. So 
It says, going on, it says, even some former fans say Mr. Shapiro is a brilliant polemicist, but in a tribal nation, he's just one more partisan mobilizing the troops. Okay. If you had said a former fan of Christopher Hitchens said that he was a brilliant polemicist, okay, that scans. I'll yeah. accept it. Ben Shapiro is a terrible writer. We've read his shit before on this show, both fiction and non. His voice and is an unlistenable just... chipmunk screech oh my that God, nobody with the most masochistic dipshits could bear for more than five minutes. But like to be like like a brilliant polemicist is someone like or even Peter Hitchens, even Chris's mm-hmm. fucking brother. If we're yeah. talking about the right, we're talking about someone who can like construct a, a sentence or like have some sort of like have bite signature or, lines or, or verb or or you know, like or yeah, just like to have like a, some style or, or panache to which like the the arguments or, or the things that they write. Shapiro has well, absolutely to be able none to make an argument that points out inconsistencies and you know gives you some semblance of higher ground. Uh, you know, in terms of in terms of like ideology, like to actually be like, well, you can't answer this question, the which only- which so many liberals have been unable to like meet those consistent. We're so out of we're so out of fucking uh, practice with all of this shit. We've just been watching the Daily Show for twenty fucking years. So I mean, yeah. So like he's been, you know, if we're gonna go with the pugilist, you know, thing, he's just been fighting tomato cans. Yeah. Who, like as soon as someone disagrees with them, they're like, ah, 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 you know, like they don't. You're, you're not supposed to do that. So uh, continue. The only quote that he has in all of his fucking writing that anyone remembers is that awful catchphrase. Facts don't care about your feelings. That's it. That's his only yeah, memorable that's piece just of like a tweet. It's, yeah, exactly. It's a tweet. So, uh, reading on, he's, uh, conservatives say he is a force for good. Liberals may not like his conclusions, but they are guiding young people at a time when the conservative movement is adrift and ideas of white nationalism are competing for their attention. Okay. It's basically just the fact that he's like... Orthodox Jew and really a big fan of Israel is basically the only thing that separates him from white nationalism and yep. the alt right. He is a died in the fucking wool racist. Look up any of his fucking tweets about Trayvon Martin or Michael Brown and how they basically deserve to die. Yep. No, there's one tweet of his where he said Trayvon would have been 21 today if he hadn't chosen to bounce a man's head off the sidewalk before being shot. Yep. You know, so like I, again, like this idea that he's guiding young people away from uh, white nationalism is absurd. Yeah, th- there are only the barest differences between him and Trump on any st- uh, sub- substantive issue, so that the difference is totally just egos, basically. And the rest of this paragraph goes on to talk about how you know he's an Orthodox Jew and was one of the first to call out the alt right movement and denouncing it as racist. I mean, ra- how was he denouncing it as racist? They believe the same same things about black people and immigrants as yep. he does. It's it's just. Basically, what there's what they're working towards, either consciously or subconsciously, the Trump people and the anti-Trump conservatives are moving towards essentially that agreement that is that I think uh, Ellie Valley did the drawing of of uh, Adelson shaking hands with Pepe. It's basically transformation, uh, 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 a population transfer where all the good Jews go to Israel, and then we have these white ethno states that are organized on the same principles as Israel is. But basically, the problem for Jews is just that they're here and they need to be there, which is what they agree with. Yeah, they, the hard they right, would prefer the that. Think that. Yeah, of course they do, and they're moving towards an agreement that that's well, what the happens. Same reason, everybody like the gets. K, is the same reason KKK supported Liberia. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a uh, yes, it's a future of these these uh, ethnic bantu stands armed to the teeth and surrounded with walls. 
Uh, and I like here at the end of this paragraph, it says, he received 38% of all anti-Semitic tweets aimed at journalists in 2016. This is a statistic from the ADL, which is like... To be fair, that was me yeah. tweeting at him over and over again. I'm going to fold you in half and shove you in a big gulp cup. See, I, first, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I would really like to see an audit of how many of these abusive tweets were genuinely anti-Semitic or half of them were like being like, I'm going to trap you in a dollhouse and have my cat eat you. <laughs> at least half of them were Felix, though. Yeah, uh, exactly. Excuse me, but cats, those were the Nazis in Art Spiegelman's mouse. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just love that the, the ADO or someone out there is just keeping actual statistics on how badly he gets owned and dunked on on Twitter all the time. So going on now, I know this is really great. Uh, the, there's a real battle for hearts and minds going on the right right now, and Ben is one of the main warriors. Said David French, <laughs> calling the National warrior, pugilistic. Woo! Dude, this, this article is bringing back so many of our favorites. Oh God, David French, and, and you know, you, you all of the cucks are coming out to defend my, Ben and call him take, a warrior. You can take my word for it that he's a warrior. I understand war. I went to Iraq. I, I was in charge of ordering uh, Jimmy John's for the office. At the Jagcor in the green zone. I know what war is. Mr. French calls Mr. Shapiro a principled gladiator. They keep using this language. It's insane. <laughs> this is like, again, warrior, I just gladiator, pugilist. I'm just imagining Ben Shapiro with a fucking trident and a net fighting in the Coliseum. <laughs> But and it's tickling. Like me. I said, glad all the all all the language and, and uh, you know jobs of, of combat and war. This all are, are you not entertained? This is <laughs> this is all due to the fact that Ben Shapiro goes to college campuses and triggers snowflakes yep. by being like there are two genders. Sorry, <laughs> but they don't. That, I mean, that, he that's, doesn't that's even get battle. the backlash. That that no, no uh, that's that, just it. Nobody do. cares. Nobody gives yeah. a shit. It's like remember when Charles Kirk. Tweeted, I'm going on a tour of college campuses. Better get ready, Antifa. People are like, who are and you? Nobody cares about you, Charles. Wherever you go, your fucking acolytes decide to put diapers on. It's one of the most entertaining things in the world, and you don't need Antifa for it to happen. So uh, going on here, it says, uh, his aggressive tone draws an audience. Aggressive tone. No, it's a high-pitched tone. It's not aggressive. It is the... Uh, like, only dogs the way, like- the aggression in it. It's the whining keen of someone trying to return something to Best Buy. <laughs> I was told that I had 90 days, as you see on the receipt. It's only been 87. So he goes... Uh, your manager. He does not attack unfairly or stoke anger for the sake of it or mischaracterize his opponent's positions. He even hits his own side, as he did with Sean Hannity for not weighing in on Roy Moore, the embattled Alabama Republican, and Mr. Bannon for supporting him. He appeals to the better angels of his audience's <laughs> nature while still being a pugilist, and that's quite oh, a skill. <laughs> Somebody French went said. to thesaurus.com and just quit trying. All right, uh. Now it gets into like, the, okay, this is great. Mr. Shapiro grew up in Los Angeles in a Jewish family of Reagan Republicans. His parents both worked in Hollywood, his mother as an executive of a TV company, and his father as a composer. They lived in a small house, his parents in one bedroom, and he and his three sisters in the other. They had political discussions at the dinner table. He was patriotic. He dressed up as John Adams every year for Halloween from the age of five. <laughs> ah! 
my God. He had a favorite musical. 1776. Of course. You fancy little man. So this is a child who dressed up as John Adams every year. Oh, God. I think he says from the age of five. It doesn't tell you what age he stopped doing that. I don't think he ever did. No. Like basically his personality. He's Jewish Martin Prince. (laughs) (laughs) Eat wax with a wet noodle, libtard. (laughs) (laughs) They stole my dicky. (laughs) I want to see Ben Shapiro wearing a t-shirt that says Wang Computers. (laughs) So, um... My geode must be acknowledged. So it goes here, uh... Uh... So often I felt turning on Fox, it makes you dumber. But you listen to Ben Shapiro, and you're likely to be both entertained and enlightened, said Charlie Sykes, a conservative oh, pundit. That fucking asshole. I don't know who that is. Oh, he's a he's a he's a Milwaukee local drive time conservative fucking radio shithead. And he's a reliable voice of reaction and suburban racism for generation in the in the Milwaukee County area. But then Trump came along and he wasn't going to oh, get on Oh, this is the guy board. that's been profiled recently yep. as just being like, oh, wait a second. I think, you know, my, I'm, I'm shocked that all of the listeners whose base prejudices I've been stoking yeah. on the radio in their car for the last 30 yep. years yep. have uh, weird racist feelings yep. and, heart, and actually admire and love Donald Trump. Yeah, the enti- my entire job for 30 years was channeling the argument that you shouldn't let the inner city buses go out to Waukesha County. That's the sum total of the fucking ideology on display for 30 years. And now Trump has gone too far. Well, but he retired from his show. He doesn't have a radio show anymore. Now he wrote a book and he's now a touring. Right. He's a gladiator yeah. in his own right. Well, no, you know? he's described here as a conservative pundit and Trump critic. Yeah. And he goes on to describe Ben as he's high octane. <laughs> <laughs> He re- <laughs> he's high octane. He reads books. His mind works <laughs> really <is> fast. Cool. <laughs> he likes to get under people's skin. He's clearly part of this younger generation. <laughs> I could imagine Bill Buckley looking down and smiling. Jesus no, I can imagine Christ. Bill Buckley looking down on him for being a Jewish upstart. But yeah. he would be smiling, but it would be the smile of the sort of rigor mortis that was permanently affixed on yeah. his disgusting gila monster like uh <laughs> visage visage yeah yeah um oh so cute a hebrew i, I love you that, that you, like i said uh charlie sykes is like what he's so he's so impressed he thinks ben is such a breath of fresh air and just you know just real whip smart because he reads books <laughs> every one of these fucking profiles yeah when they try to elevate one of these shitheads as an intellectual heavyweight either either side either alt, uh outright or or n- and never Trump like Bannon. It's always he's read several books. <laughs> he can quote lines from one of three different books. Yeah, I think I think we we pointed this out before, but the idea that Steve Bannon has read all of Edward Gibbons' book on the fall of Absurd. the Roman Empire. He read the Wikipedia article. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So it says uh, people often discover Mr. Shapiro by seeing a video clip of him arguing with someone. <laughs> Some have been watched millions of times, like one from a college in Michigan in February. After a back and forth with a young woman in the audience about transgenderism, Mr. Shapiro asked her how old she was. Okay, keep in mind that all of the times previously to this point, he has been described as a, polem- a brilliant polemicist, someone who dissects arguments with a lawyerly skill, and is a like 
shaping the philosophy of a generation of young minds. A level one logic master. Okay, this is his argument here. Mr. Shapiro asked her how old she was. She was 22. Why aren't you 60, he asked. What is the problem with you identifying as 60? (laughs) The young woman looked at him and hesitated, lowering the microphone slightly. It's not the same as gender, she said. You can't just... Mr. Shapiro looked at her, his face impassive. You're right, he said. You can't magically change your gender. You can't magically change your sex. You can't magically change your age. That, that was his brilliant, like, that, that was like, you know, uh, fucking Cicero or something right here. In an age of partisan warfare on college campuses, this video clip is a rare weapon. It is also vintage Shapiro. He takes apart arguments in ways that make the conservative conclusions seem utterly logical, like putting a key in a locked door. The clip has about 47 million views on Facebook. Yeah, it's just like putting a key in a locked door. His argument makes it seem like his position is just the only logical choice. It's amazing. If you are indeed have the brain of a golden retriever. Yeah, it's like a linguistic magic trick. Just gormless fucking rubes. But the thing is, is that is the number one valued skill among people in political journalism is the one thing they can't teach and the one thing that you need more than anything is absolute just brain dead gormless naive belief in what powers that be tell you about anything because that's the only way that your shit's going to get read because anything else that's too skeptical is going to be too hostile to people who your your peers and your newspaper need to keep cultivating as sources so it never gets fucking published uh speaking of um so David French says here, there is a hunger in conservative millennial land for a different kind of voice, Mr. French said. They want someone who will unapologetically stand up for conservative values, but who is also articulating a movement they can feel proud of. So I guess that's as, as opposed to the alt-right, yeah. I think, is what he's trying to say. Yeah, there. it's all just about optics. But the question I have, did they actually talk to a single millennial conservative? Well, they talked to the uh, the college senior from Mount Holyoke at the very beginning who said he's like a philosopher. <sighs> but um, isn't she doesn't, no, she doesn't count because she works for him. That's true. So she doesn't count. Do they talk to any unaffiliated millennial conservatives in this thing? Well, we've read it. I've read every word of this so far. So, so they don't. Yeah. There's no actual testimony from anyone who is the market for this shit other than somebody who he pays. Okay. Good to know. So uh, he- here's where the article, I think, really shows the complete naivete and just like how easily rooked uh, the- the- anyone the New York Times sends out to cover the right is by all of this shit. So uh, this is uh, the-, the author's writing here. Mr. Shapiro has always been deeply conservative and does not pretend to be objective. But he says his market niche is giving clear-eyed reads of current events, not purely partisan rants. He is often compared to his former colleague at Breitbart, Milo Yiannopoulos. On the surface, they both seem the same. Both speaking, What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're both fancy lads. Well, well here, here, here are the similarities. One of them dresses like a golden girl when he goes on tour. <laughs> Here are the similarities. Both speak on college campuses. Both draw protests. Both used to work for Mr. Bannon at Breitbart. Both are young. In fact, they are very different. Uh, no. What? Mr. Yiannopoulos, a protege of Mr. Bannon, was good at shocking audiences, saying things like feminism is cancer. But critics say that he was empty of ideas, a kind of nihilistic rodeo clown who was not even conservative. Mr. Shapiro broke with Mr. Bannon last year, saying that Breitbart had become a propaganda tool for Mr. Trump. Mr. Yiannopoulos' act collapsed this year. They don't say why. Yeah, oh, weird. That. 
But uh, the fact that it lasted so long says a lot about the right's fury against mainstream liberalism, Mr. Shapiro said. Okay, on the surface, yeah, like they they don't they, they one is a little dorkish nerd, the other yeah, like you said, dresses like the Golden Girls. But like their shtick is exactly the same. Yeah, it's they it's, rile oh, up. Have you been triggered by my logic and reason? Yeah, they rile up Liz. Oh, have you I been triggered by my really? logic and reason? I absolutely reason. disagree. What's I mean, they both are like losers that do speaking tours for bootlickers. But I mean, if you look at the people who like Milo Yiannopoulos, I think 15 years ago they would have just been listening to Stern. I don't know. I've seen those pictures of those round yeah, I'm not college sure. Republicans. Maybe. Yes, I just think they like would have been listening to Stern. I doubt there's much overlap between their fan base. I think there was at one point. But well, I, I mean, think what is, the Milo fan base no, now is more. Well, like, I'm sure maybe their, their fan bases is different, but I think their act is entirely the same. Like, in, like Milo says, feminism is cancer. Ben Shapiro says, gender. But Milo's not a conservative. He's like, I love black dick, and they're all like, oh. And and they and like it, that's a different crowd. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think that they pride themselves on that. They may they think that no, it's roller that, backpacks versus who would have been stern listeners. Different categories. Is, is the content absolutely. of their politics? They have reactionary politics. They have not a different just there act. because they like shock shock value. They they like the. The idea but of But Shapiro doesn't like shock like value. That. Oh, he does? Yes, of course oh, he, he does. does. He Labor likes a prim. It. He likes a prim. Well, I got you there. No, I think that's buying way into his self-presentation and, and like, own, you know, uh, self-presentation. I think he loves shocking people and, and, and riling up uh, college students and being considered, like... No way. No, no, that whole facts don't care about your feelings thing, the whole, the whole pitch of it is, is that I'm going to make you feel bad with my facts. They're about triggering libs. They're about triggering a resp- an outrage response. And I don't. And from, I don't think small-minded liberals. And I don't think that Ben Shapiro, despite what he says about himself, is really about you know clear-eyed resuscitation of of you know news items and analysis. I think he is a provocateur, very much in the same way that that Milo is. I don't think so. Milo actually has protests. Ben Shapiro can't even get him. He has to hire a fucking bodyguard so it looks like he is dangerous. Well, that is one actual difference between the two of them. One of them has an effective, uh, provocative thing, and the other one just makes these dorks feel like they're being transgressive when no one's really paying attention. It goes on for a little bit, but uh, Shapiro says here, Trump won the nomination because he was anti-left, not because of any political viewpoints, Mr. Shapiro said in an interview. He was slapping people on the left, and people on the right went, yeah, those people need to be slapped. So, and he says, uh, Mr. Shapiro does it too. He thinks it's easy to provoke the left, which he says has become intellectually flabby after decades of cultural dominance. Ah, good, man. That's true, to a certain degree. And he says it's not good... Oh, sorry. That they're not good at arguing and relies instead on taboos and punishing people who violate them. This is the essence of his stump speech. The left believes in a hierarchy of victimhood, he says in Utah. If you are LGBTQ, then we suggest that you are the very top of the victimhood hierarchy. You have been the most victimized in the United States, and therefore your opinion must be taken with the most gravitas. And then he says here, uh, black folks have been historically victimized. In the I love United it when States. everyone gets all folksy when they start saying folks. Black folks have, have been historically victimized in the United States, which of course is true. But the idea that every black person now is being individually victimized by the United States is not true. 
Then he got <laughs> to the group that made up most of his audience. Way down at the bottom are white straight males. Those are people whose opinions do not matter at all because those are the people who are beneficiaries of the system. They don't get to talk about the system because they were the ones who built Which the system. Which is why I'm being paid to speak to you right now. Um, so he says, in concluding, uh, the article says, Mr. Shapiro says he's about more than tribal polemics. In an age of combative politics, you have to be a fighter to be in the game. And he says he's willing to defend conservatism against those on the right as well as the left. I'm trying to militantly defend conservative ideas, he said. I'm not going to be anti-left for the sake of it. And that is the end of Ben Shapiro, Young Gladiator. The fighter. The fighter. Ben Shapiro, David O. Russell film. (laughs) (laughs) Not an argument. Not an argument. Not an argument. I'm not particularly worried about Ben Shapiro. No. No. He's being propped up by these people who are desperate to have a decent opposition. That's what they've been panicking about more than anything is the idea that they're going to lose that that uh, that decent anti-Trump opposition that might hold horrible views, but that but stands with. Well, certain here's norms. a good example. I mean, I think there is a difference between the Never Trump conservatives and that they're on their way out. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm talking about when I talk about how there's tension inside any kind of broad right-wing movement or left-wing movement, for that matter. Is that these these right now there still are these separate strands, but at some point the pressure is going to come, and one of them, the one that's dying to survive with whatever it has left is going to be absorbed into the greater one and then it will be part of a greater thing even though well some of them will just die though some of them will turn into like this weird esoteric yeah they're literally old they are literally going to die first that's for sure no but i even think i even think shapiro their great white hope or whatever like he's going to try and carve out a niche for this but he's just going to become more and more marginal and i don't think conservatism is going to go back to no, the, the way it was. Yeah, it, there, yeah, it is like a dying trumpet. It's a re, it's a retreating sort of. It's a it's a rump. It's it's a it's a dwindling rump. Yeah, and they want to make it viable because the alternative is a, he's a, essentially a like cosplaying party. And a that's, kind they of can't accept that. A kind of conservatism that that is just on its way out. Yeah, because he's a nerd. Yeah, but the the press's main investment is in keeping the sense that there are two opposing forces that we can sort of negotiate with and are, are, are operating from the same rule book. I mean, I'm always reminded of that, uh, that anecdote about how Eric Severide on election night of 1964 was brought to tears by how badly the Republicans got crushed because it meant that there wasn't going to be a two parties anymore. And he was so moved by the horror of that, that loss of equilibrium that he cried on national television. How about we uh, go from Ben Shapiro to analyzing uh, a different kind of conservative? And Ben Shapiro is the intellectual anti-Trump conservative. Let's take a look at the intellectual pro-Trump conservative. This is a holiday-themed um, reading entry that comes courtesy of Mark Bowerlane, who you may oh, remember yeah. from a previous reading series about how he reprimanded some lads on an airplane for cursing <laughs> oh, in public. Oh, that guy. Yes. Yeah. That, that How fucking do you passenger keep all of these fucking nerds straight? I, How do you have like an encyclopedic knowledge of these incredibly boring, scoldy, prim men? How do you even... Can you? Could you pick them out of a lineup? Because they all have the same fucking porridge face. Amber, everybody has one special thing. <laughs> everybody has one special thing. This is your special that. thing. Big, bright, shining star. <laughs> um, <laughs> For me, Bowerline is only memorable because he has that 
He has that lanyard dick fucking uh, bow tie dipshit affect and and the and the academic uh, background, but he is like he likes Trump. Yeah, and he gets pseudo intellectual arguments. Yeah, he's a college. He's an English professor. Yeah, that's been like I'm one of the only one of my colleagues who loves Trump, and here's why. And he's carved out. Where does he teach? uh, Let me scroll down. He at Emory University, and is senior editor at First Things. Oh boy. Yeah. So uh, he wrote an article for Politico called "This is what it's like to be the only Trump fan at Thanksgiving dinner." Enough with the crazy uncle jokes. Here's what it's like to be the black sheep at the table. So he's going to give you a perspective from someone who's been, you know, unfairly maligned, attacked, made, made to eat all over the sink. Yeah. So here we go. Mark Bowerlane. He goes in my household. When the holidays come, the usual family members plus a friend or two gather. We have three generations at the table, two female 80-year-olds, some 50-year-olds, and the millennials. Only one of us is a Trump supporter. This is, after all, a family of professionals in a northeastern coastal city. But it takes only one Trumper to turn a genial dinner into an emotional contest of wills. Uh, just going to... Stop right there. I'm going to say, uh, even without his political yeah. opinions that he's formed of of recent, yep. my guess is he was probably unple- unpleasant to be around at yeah. any yeah. family function, even when he was a big Clinton yeah. supporter. Yeah. Least he's like, Just he, so you know, if seem- you're the person storming out of the Thanksgiving dinner, it doesn't matter what your politics are. You probably are just awful. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> matter what he's going to say about Trump. Just the stories about the ruffians who he dressed down at the mall, that's going to be annoying enough. So he goes... Uh, it doesn't matter that the holidays call for love and gratitude. We may try to talk about other things, our lives, our jobs, the weather, but Trump won't go unmentioned. The feelings he arouses are too stormy. This week, we should expect lots of politics along with our turkey and stuffing. Well, some of us won't even be having uh, yeah, at least right. one of those Who things. These people, though? Outsmarted what? you all. Who are these people, though? I think people have kind of gotten over that horrible period of like content millery where it's like, how to deal with your conservative oh, family. Oh, no. There's more this year, too. There really? Like there are three more, yep. Just Every fucking year. eat, you bitch, for yeah. Christ's sake. Do you know what the world is like? You can't stomach your uncle for a fucking Thanksgiving. He's going to fall asleep in 10 minutes anyway. Yeah. The fact is, is that the thing about conservative, the conservative, like, boomer, drunk uncle stereotype is that they are not going to let it go. They initiate it. They want to get you upset. They want to. They're antagonistic. They want to be antagonistic. Yeah, I have one of those. They don't want and at to some point, I just said, eat. why are you ruining Thanksgiving right now? And, like, he immediately shut up because he was extremely embarrassed. Yeah. But that's the only way to do it. You have to shame them. You have to quiet. point out, by the way, I know what you're doing. Yeah. Because that's what they do, is they like it. They're not trying to just have their dinner in peace. The, owning you and making you upset, as we've been talking about, is the only political praxis they have. Yeah. So uh, Mark writes, last year at Thanksgiving, two weeks after the big surprise, it wasn't so bad. Hillary Clinton's supporters were still in shock. President Barack Obama had two months to go. Some on the left believed that surely something would emerge between then and the inauguration that would keep the unthinkable from happening. And there were outlets for liberal dismay and fear, too. Marches to join and websites on which to vent. I stepped out onto Manhattan's <laughs> Second Avenue around the, the, that time and watched a small parade heading north. I presumed to one of Trump's east side towers. They were softly singing, We Shall Overcome. <laughs> no, you won't, motherfuckers. <laughs> the mood at the 2016 holiday table then was disbelief, not outrage. A year later, though, he's still there. 
Roe is in trouble, and so are trans soldiers and public schools and the environment, and white supremacists are emboldened. I think he's saying this all sarcastically. But that's all literally true. He goes, I'm the inexplicable presence in the room, a specimen of something that shouldn't be. How in the world can an educated person, a teacher for goodness sake, back such a stupided, bigoted, alpha male blowhard? Okay, that's the tell there at the yeah, end like where he's, he's setting it up and he's like, like for the, the readers of the audience that his liberal relatives don't like Trump because he's an alpha yep. male. He's too this, much. This mincing oaf that we've discussed this at length already. Yeah. The idea that he is some kind of alpha male, yeah. one of the chintziest fucking fayest Weirdos a alive. Wheeling pan. <laughs> a fucking cubic, a fucking cubic ham in a diaper, <laughs> uh, like flitting about the White House and complaining about TV ratings. Nobody, including this guy's lib family, is uh, threatened by his masculinity. Yeah, he is mad a- at Rosie O'Donnell and teasing his hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's the question that won't go away. My mother will talk about his macho manner. <laughs> no, she won't. Oh, God. That's You're not, not happening. He's not having. There's no account, by the way, of any one of these things, like from any side that you can ever really trust. Because someone's like, you know what? I think the world needs to hear about why my holidays are uniquely stressful. <laughs> it's like I don't believe anything that you say. It's like Rashomon. I want to hear everyone fucking like give their account of what actually happened. Yeah, at the there's table. a lot of Marine Todd shit that goes on in recounting. Yeah, holiday his mother was actually uh, spending most. Of the holiday talking about randy macho man savage <laughs> and uh he extrapolated from there he's a bit oh, too yeah, much brother <laughs> the cream of the crop promo is for me the best promo of all time <laughs> uh my sister will recount the latest fumbles by his cabinet my nephew and his wife will fret over what he'll do to science everything runs smoothly until i say didn't you love Trump's speech in Warsaw? Isn't it great to have a leader willing to praise Western civilization? Oh, wait a minute. So he's, so <laughs> he's acting like policies. you can't. You try. See, this is, what they're all, this is what they're all like. Oh, I'm just trying to have a nice conversation at dinner. Hey, that thing about uh, the war of civilizations, that was pretty cool. It, like, it's so fucking disingenuous. Okay, Here's but honestly, response. none of this stuff ever and happened. Yeah, of course That's the happened. most important thing that we, as we get angry at these things, to remember that none of this ever no, happened. absolutely not. He but ate a his... lean turkey hungry man dinner by himself <laughs> for Thanksgiving. If, what, even Mark, in his what, recounting of this where he's the good guy, it still starts with him making an asshole provocative comment. Yeah. And, and the actual content of his comment is hilarious, too. What he should have said was didn't you see all the people inspired by Trump's speech marching in Poland last week? Doesn't it fill your heart to know that they all love Western civilization so much? Pass the gravy. So that does it. The communal spell is broken. I've ruined Thanksgiving. Forget the Warsaw speech. Yeah, no, like like everyone else in America, you forgot. Yeah, forget the Warsaw speech. It doesn't matter except to any, anyone but fucking weirdo Nazis who yeah. think it's like a little tip of the cap to them. Yeah, but also that was just like deranged. Like, like they're all like, oh, I'm concerned about this policy. I'm concerned about this funding. And he's like, yeah, but wasn't, were we all having a great time? When he made that speech, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like his um, support for him comes not in the form of a defense of policies or politics, but of a general – he digs his vibe. Yep. Well, this is what yes. he says. He, and the things that make people like his family mad. Well, that's what yeah. he says here. Isn't it great to have a leader willing to praise Western <laughs> civilization? I'm and then sorry. they made me sit at the kids' table. It just like – it goes back to this thing again like – 
Did Obama or really never praise Western civilization? I seem to remember every fucking speech he gave. He'd be like, "Oh, America's great. Oh, our founding father." Yeah, yeah did, but did, they I, like, did I did I misremember like Western that civilization as a as a concept more than actual traditional patriotism? Because America is such a pliant. Um, kind of concept and we've done so well historically talking about a nation of immigrants and it was like this utopian project where there's no way to be uh, there's no way to actually functionally be a white nationalist in America because they came here so like the the blood and soil thing doesn't work so they have to talk about western civilization because it's essentially a fucking revisionist project what they're trying to do yeah because like Richard Spencer isn't going back to England or whatever you know, he's like he's essentially starting a white colony in a not white place. Well, or it's, wants to. it's all about it's all about the most lazy, like elementary school signifiers of classiness. Like Trump himself in that speech said, "Our great symphonies." They all love classical music <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and sculpture, and it, there's no, there's nothing behind. Or like fucking when nitwit Paul Joseph Watson shits his pants over some very, very banal neoclassical architecture thing that it just has no soul, and it's, it's, it might as well have been put up. It might as well be a fucking. It's like, just uh, old. It might, yeah, it might as well be a fucking cheesecake factory. But oh my god, the pillars, and they just see these signifiers, and it makes them. They, and it's like. You, the culture that you're going to create, I can tell just by the way you talk about culture, is going to be a stale replication of old shit that wasn't even the original thing that you're venerating. And it's going to be like living in Vegas. No, yeah, they're yeah, going yeah, yeah, to be trying that. And when they realize no one cares, they're going to reinvest everything in Marvel reboots. <laughs> so uh, going on here, he says, uh, forget the Warsaw speech. You know, it was only the, one of the greatest speeches <laughs> of all time. Uh, it's the bare fact of dissent that counts. My mother will wrinkle her brow and mutter, oh, God. The millennials at the table will go blank. Western civilization was dropped as a school subject before they were born. <laughs> no, it, it fucking wasn't. wasn't. No, it wasn't. Bullshit. <laughs> My sister shall return to Trump pulling back on environmental regulation, which she regards as abominable. Oh, these dizzy broads <laughs> not wanting to drink lead and... I imagine carcinogens in their fucking urine. I imagine similar scenes at holiday tables all across America. According to a recent Reuters poll released earlier this month, nearly a third of American adults will try to avoid political topics during the holidays this year. My family is just one window into understanding why. Any career woman, especially a single one who entered the workforce in 1970, is never going to look at Donald Trump as anything but a sexist bully. She remembers too many ill-mannered bosses and coworkers, condescending males who, when they didn't hit on her, dismissed her or exploited her. And uh, let's not forget people who were caught on tape bragging about doing sexual assaults. I love how the premise there is that they just have this irrational association between him and right. piggish uh, uh, like misogyny and not the fact that he's a fucking admitted sex predator. My mother made a go of it and put up with a lot. Those humiliations don't fade. Again, she's like, talking about what it, like like what his mother had to put up. Yeah, with right. As opposed to the things Trump has actually said yeah. and done. Uh, this is not something to dispute. I spent last New Year's Eve at a faculty party in Massachusetts where a woman who was about seventy described that. Fe- you wait, wait for New Year's. You had to go to a faculty party. Yeah, and hang out with 70-year-olds. He's awesome. This guy's got a lot of social engagements. This was clearly the best offer. I like to party with my coworkers. I love hanging out with a bunch of people waiting for death (laughs) and and talking about fucking Gordon Lish. 
Uh, this, this anecdote is boring. He just uses it as an example. He just uses it as an excuse to quote Yates, basically. Oh, and guess what? Off. The Yates line that everybody Let me knows. guess. The center cannot hold? What rough beast. It's our no. come round at last. Wow. Uh, so going back to his – forget the New Year's party. Going back to Thanksgiving. The one Yates poem every dullard on earth knows because somebody quoted it in like a Schwarzenegger movie. I think the Joker quoted it yeah, at one right. point. Yeah, um, the Joker said The young that. ones at the holiday table have a different experience, but it's no less foreign to me. You see, a 25-year-old has no real memory of any president except Barack Obama. George W. Bush is just a name. They cast their first votes for Obama, and their second, millennials tend to skip the midterms. Obama was not a politician to them. He was the realization of everything millennials believed about the world and about themselves. Yeah, that's why we're all so happy. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we were so happy with Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the first generation to have brought tolerance and inclusivity down to earth. They'll tell you so. They will not stand for racism. Patriotism is a minor concern because they think it wrong to favor the poor farmer upstate over the poor farmer in Africa. Everyone deserves to be happy. Idiots. <laughs> Barack Obama in the White House was a vindication of their faith. In 2008, the youth vote favored him over McCain 66 to 31 percent. This was hero worship. Unlike his feelings of affection right, for yeah. Donald Trump. The, the, the alpha dog daddy yeah. dom. The first black president, a guy who listens to rap and shoots hoops <laughs> li- like madmen and knows how to deliver a punch. Wait, how is that like madmen shooting hoops and listening to rap? Uh, oh, wait, no, oh, sorry, no, 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 sorry. He says likes madmen like he likes to oh, show yeah. madmen. I thought he said like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Don Draper loved uh, NWA. He stops discrimination and frustrates haters who freeze the harass and victimize. This was what American leadership should always be. Uh, like, I like I said, he's saying this, that, like, in his mind, that's what American leadership shouldn't be. Like, he, he wants a president who just harasses victims and, yeah. and, and doesn't free people. This is what we call the dialect right, right. here. It was that you have this thesis, and it must be met with an antithesis in the form of Trump. And you might not like all of it, but it's an historically inevitable process which will create a synthesis of Obama and Trump that will resolve all conflicts. Donald Trump can impress them only as a throwback, a mean, atavistic clod. They don't care for Hillary, especially. It's the loss of Obama that distresses them. Set the orange-haired tweeter alongside the cool, composed law professor, and a mighty void hits home. The millennials had a charmed political youth for eight years. Now, as they see it, they enter their 30s with a guy who likes walls, guns, and threats. To my fellow Trump supporters, a word of advice. Think about the experiences that lie behind the rancor, and you might, as you might face and as you dine and relax with your loved one this, evening, this season. Arguments will not end well. Everyone has a life story, a wellspring of pain and triumph that won't yield easily to debate. Trump has violated them too deeply. Uh, but you, they but, know not what they do. <laughs> but you have a life story, too, one that led you toward Trump, not away from him. When I first saw identity politics at work, I was a graduate student in English at UCLA in the 1980s. These were the years when the heritage of genius and beauty was recast as a bunch of dead white males. Western civilization slipped from a lineage of reason and talent, free inquiry and unsuppressed creativity into Eurocentrism. One group's advance at the expense of others, women and people of color. 
Art for art's sake gave way to art for politics' sake, for identity's sake. I spent my 20s in a grimy room reading Dante, Wordsworth, and Nietzsche, (laughs) only to find when I went to campus that my intellectual giants had become objects of suspicion and derision. Yeah, you can't find them on any any fucking courses. Again, he's he's having this like critique of like identity politics and academia, but I think it's just bleeding over into what an unpleasant person he is. And I think when he says that his intellectual giants are objects of suspicion and derision, I think he's projecting that he. I spent I spent all this time reading these big heavy books and now no one's even kissing my ass. Yeah, like I emerged covered in shit and dirt like fucking pig pen from the fucking peanuts and expected everyone to worship me because I'd read some books and they instead said, "Sir, your odor is offensive to me and I need to leave the room." <laughs> when Donald Trump stood in that square in Warsaw and unapologetically hailed western civilization, I felt a 30-year discouragement lift ever so slightly. That's my experience. And I'm happy to share it this season. Imagine this guy telling his like dumbstruck family members that Donald fucking Trump has like lifted his 30 year depression by hailing Western civilization. <laughs> One of the most transparently like the like probably the greatest Philistine who's Absolutely. ever been president. Yeah. A vile fucking Philistine. Yeah, yeah. Disgusting. A guy who has destroyed historic buildings and monuments in order to fucking just a guy with, slap like, I'm killed. sorry, dude. You, you talk about, oh, you know, beauty for beauty's sake and art for art's Look sake. This Trump, man made uh, Trump Taj Mahal. Yeah. This is a guy with probably the worst taste. Yeah. Absolute disgusting, gaudy shit. Someone who has never read a book, has not read Dante, Wordsworth, Nietzsche, or anything. Hasn't listened to a symphony. Yeah. A motherfucking guy who made up a fake. McDonald's every day. He eats McDonald's every day. He made up a fake Civil War battle for his shitty fucking country club in Virginia and put up a fake historic marker for That's how much he cares about American history. And then when they said, hey, that didn't happen, he said, you can't prove it didn't happen. It's fascinating to me how much people are willing to project onto power what they want it to be. Yeah. Like like the, the degree of of I mean, say what you will for the Pepe's, I think they're just oblivious and are just like, Oh, I welcome the apocalypse. Yeah, oh, but like but like yeah, someone like this it, yeah. is like just is is just uh just plugging their ears and humming extremely loudly and saying, Nope, this is great. This yeah. is fine, actually. Because you've got these Poindexters who think that this gauche monstrosity, this Biff Tannen fucking just short-fingered monster, he is an avatar for you know the Bell Latin, whatever. That's an insane delusion. Just as much as like regular uh, MAGA chuds think that this diffident, fancy lad, a, a germaphobe, would love to hang out with them yeah. and have a beer, even though he doesn't drink because he's got a type A psychopath. Well, it was the same thing with Hillary, too. It's just people look at, at figures of yeah. power and they just invent this entire fantasy about them and then they circulate those myths yeah. over and over and over like again. Like Hillary wants to go to, to fucking Margarita Night with me and the girls. Yeah. And yeah. We're going to swap stories about, you know, our, our husbands. No, that's None of not these people happen. like you. Absolutely. None uh, of them like you. you they like that. each other way more than they like you. Yep. Uh, Obama would like to smoke weed with me, though. <laughs> yep. That, that, like to do that, some that, chuming. He, he like I think chew. And do cocaine and turn tricks together the words, for older men. In the words of Adam Friedland, I think he did my vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so I think with Bauer Lane in particular, this is a guy who spent his entire career in academia, which is a fucking snake pit just in general, like regardless of politics, and probably feels slighted or passed over for certain things or he thinks he should be 
a more figure of national prominence and importance as an intellectual or an author or something like that. And that just hasn't happened for him. And it also corresponded, like I've mentioned before, about a lot of these sort of right-wing academics who all of a sudden discover that feminism is a problem. I think it happened around the time that their grad students stopped sleeping with them. And I think a lot of, that's where a lot of this uh, antipathy yeah. comes from. Like, huh, maybe uh, maybe you need a family and a, some sort of legal contract to make them stay and fuck you. I, the one thing that is most revealing to me about this piece is how he implicitly endorses the idea that politics is purely tribal emotional resentment with no core. Well, that's the thing. It's like he he's imagining these people throughout his academic career who who are disgusted by Trump and and feel pained every time they see him on the TV, and it give and it gives him a certain sense of pride. Yeah, because he doesn't like them and they yeah. don't like him. Exactly, he is made happy by their uh, discomfort. And that is the engine of his entire belief. Because what it is is like he talked about the way that these women identify Trump and the way he thinks about Western civilization. It's just this burgeoning, this, this growing emotional sense of resentment against the people who have caused you emotional distress. And then your politics is what you can do to make them feel bad instead. It's nothing but a politics and of schadenfreude. There's no, there's no project. There's yeah. no vision. Nope. It's just yep. It's just who I can make upset because they made me upset over the course of my life. So closing it out here, he says, uh, but I want to hear about the personal experiences behind my relatives' politics, too. I can ask the younger ones next to me, what did Obama's 2008 campaign mean to you? And we don't need to fight about it. I can say to my mother, what's it like to be the first female real estate agent in the company and avoid the disagreements of the present entirely? These questions are not an avoidance of politics. They get to the foundation of politics. And if conversations run in that deeper direction instead of to today's controversy – controversies, then this year's gatherings may in fact prove more meaningful and intimate than ever. So talk about Trump all you want at your Thanksgiving dinner. Just be sure to listen to what your crazy uncle, father-in-law, niece, cousin is really saying. So he's closing it out with this like plea for fucking tolerance or whatever. But if you're this guy's fucking niece or nephew or fucking mother, turn to him at the Thanksgiving table and ask, what did it feel like to have 30 years of depression lifted by a just transparent moron aping the Western canon in Poland. <laughs> what did that mean to you? What does it say about your life that you're willing to debase yourself in print like this, pretending that he is some sort of avatar of intellectual greatness or a lineage of reason and unsuppressed creativity? Yeah, ask him that. And then curse right in his bitch ass face. <laughs> just throw some fucking mashed potatoes. Right at him. Have it bounce off his fucking bow tie. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> so I hope your guys' Thanksgiving was uh, better than that. Yeah. But I hope you one. didn't have a Mark Bauer line to deal with. Yeah. Um, i just like to say happy Thanksgiving again. Happy belated Thanksgiving. And thank you. Yeah. We're Indeed. thankful for each and every one of you. Yeah. But not turkey. It's bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit bird. Okay. Till next time, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.